Chapter 17. Arnold Relman, MD, former editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, wrote in 2002, The medical profession is being bought by the pharmaceutical industry, not only in terms of the practice of medicine, but also in terms of teaching and research. The academic institutions of this country are allowing themselves to be the paid agents of the pharmaceutical industry. I wrote about a thousand Prozac-type SSRI prescriptions over my career, which might have been a half million dollars in drug sales. I screened my patients as I was trained by merely asking them a few questions. Peter Kramer's best-selling book, Listening to Prozac, published in 1997, duped me. He said Prozac could save patients from common symptoms of guilt, fatigue, sadness, sleep disturbance, and even aches or digestive problems. He also claimed it could be a lifestyle drug similar to today's Viagra, boosting ordinary people's performance. I learned later that the SSRIs are toxic, have limited utility, and the hype has produced vast overuse. Industry marketed SSRIs as an improvement on the older tricyclic antidepressants. These cause sedation, and only a month's supply is needed for suicide. Part of the promotion of the Prozac-class drugs was that sleepiness is mild, and even enormous doses rarely cause fatality. Before the drug era, doctors thought depression was rare and most often self-limited to about three months. Now, in 2020, Wikipedia claims that 17% of U.S. populace becomes depressed during their lifetime, making them all candidates for expensive, indefinite medication usage. Legions of paid wiki contributors, many of whom work for pharmaceutical companies, make this source only a little better than a drug industry link farm. A simple checklist is used to diagnose depression. A primary care medical assistant often administrates it. It's a list of nonspecific symptoms from the DSM. Many are opposites. Here they are, the DSM criteria for depression. Depressed mood most of the time. Lack of pleasure most of the time. Significant weight loss or gain. Appetite up or down. Slow or speeded up thought and movement. Feeling worthless or guilty most of the time. Either fatigue or excess energy. Cannot think or concentrate most of the time. Thinking of death or suicide with or without a plan. No physical tests exist to verify the diagnosis. After waiting two weeks, doctors might commit a patient to these drugs for years or even a lifetime. The industry promotes the disease, the medications, and the casual approach to treatment together. Quote, Prozac is not addictive, according to the package label written by the manufacturer. True, there are no opioid-type withdrawals. However, after discontinuation, severe anxiety and depression are common. Other issues include suicide, feeling electric shocks, and tardive dyskinesia, TD, which is often manifest by continuous mouth movements. The drug companies claim most of this is because of the depressed state itself rather than medication effects. There were many consumer complaints to the Federal Trade Commission about these claims that antidepressants were not addictive. When my patients sometimes stopped the SSRI drugs and had symptoms of depression and anxiety, I believed that it was their disease and not the drug withdrawal. I was told they must use the medications long-term for them to work, so I told everyone to continue. It was bogus information, however. 
The selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor SSRI name was pseudoscience dreamed up in the marketing department of SmithKline Beecham. The quote, chemical imbalance in the brain idea was the brainstorm of a sales copywriter in the 1950s. Knowledge of serotonin and other neurotransmitters was even more sketchy when Prozac was invented than it is now. Today, the seductive but mythical gibberish embarrasses researchers. Similarly, ACE inhibitor or angiotensin-converting enzyme blood pressure medications were gobbledygook names used for branding. Lithium is an old therapy for bipolar illness with no sparkling pseudoscientific story associated with it. It's not patented and not a moneymaker, so no one will pay a copywriter to invent a marketing idea for it. Note, lithium causes sedation and occasional tardive dyskinesia. It becomes toxic in doses only slightly higher than the therapeutic ones. This can cause permanent brain damage. The marketer said depression was like diabetes and SSRIs were a, quote, insulin for brain disease. However, no clear relationship of depression to serotonin or other neurotransmitters was ever established, and the drugs all work about the same with a similar lack of benefit. Jill Montcrief, in her book, The Bitterest Pills, 2013, confirms this, quote, No chemical imbalance or other biological process that might explain drug action in a disease-centered way has been substantiated for any psychiatric disorder. Most authorities now admit there is no evidence that depression is associated with abnormalities of serotonin or noradrenaline as used to be believed. There is also little empirical support for the dopamine hypothesis of schizophrenia. Ronald Pies, editor-in-chief emeritus of the Psychiatric Times, agreed, quote, the, the chemical imbalance notion was always a kind of urban legend, never a theory seriously propounded by well-informed psychiatrists. It was a myth. Despite this consensus, nearly everyone still believes the metaphor and parrots the message. The idea is, number one, your brain is damaged. Number two, the drugs fix something. And number three, you need to take medications indefinitely. SSRIs cause substantial harm. A 2017 literature review of randomized controlled trials in Frontiers in Psychiatry said these drugs are ineffective and damaging. It linked them to osteoporosis and movement disorders, including akesthesia and tardive dyskinesia. They may double the risks of miscarriage and congenital disabilities, but physicians use them off-label for pregnant women and during breastfeeding. Expectant mothers get severe withdrawal symptoms just like everyone else. Sexual side effects occur in the range from 2% to 59% in various trials. In some studies, they never ask the patients about the issue. When used for premature ejaculation, about a third of men permanently improved, sometimes after just a few pills or even a single dose. This suggests significant long-term effects that are adverse for most people. Many patients report having long-lasting problems with orgasms after taking them and then stopping the drugs. In the first nine years of Prozac use, between 1988 and 1996, there were 39,000 FDA complaints, a record for any drug. This included reports of suicide, psychosis, abnormal thinking, and sexual dysfunction. Many patients taking the medication have sexual difficulties, are, quote, emotionally numb, and have, quote, reduced positive feelings. In October 2004, 
the FDA introduced a written warning about suicide in children and adolescents treated with SSRIs. The agency extended this in 2006 to include young adults up to age 25. Antidepressants are touted as preventing depression for people having medical problems. Prophylaxis is a market for nearly everyone. Industry hid SSRI-related suicides and violence. The manufacturers have always claimed suicide was because of the underlying depression and not the drugs. They altogether avoided addressing violence, and the psychiatrists parroted this. Even Dr. Healy believed it before he worked as a plaintiff's expert in the Stuart Dolan case. So did I. Healy changed his mind after he read the secret corporate documents produced by the defendant corporation during the lawsuit's discovery process. Dr. Healy learned from his review that Lilly concealed suicides. Their executives had written internally that they could, quote, go down the tubes if we lose Prozac, and that a single big news story could do it. In 1985, a Lilly internal memorandum said that the increased suicides were 5.6 times greater than those associated with amipramine, an older antidepressant. Gotcha later evaluated a 2006 FDA meta-analysis of 100,000 patients and estimated that it underreported suicide by a factor of 15. SSRIstories.org has thousands of news clips about SSRI violence. Martha Rosenberg summarizes, quote, The only thing more shocking than the number of newspaper stories on the site is the number of previously healthy people who committed violence with no precipitating events. Twenty people mentioned here set themselves on fire. Ten bit their victims, including a biter who was sleepwalking, and a woman on Prozac who bit her 87-year-old mother into critical condition. Three men in their 70s and 80s attacked their wives with hammers. In Midwest City, Oklahoma, a woman accepted a cup of tea from an elderly nurse she'd just met and then strangled her. A 12-year-old boy left in his cousin's car while she shopped at Target killed her five-week-old daughter, who had also been left in the vehicle. All were under the influence of psychoactive drugs. Did events like this ever happen before the psychoactive drug revolution? In one month of reports on the site, a 54-year-old respiratory patient with a breathing tube and an oxygen tank and no previous criminal record held up a bank in Mobile. An enraged man in Australia chased his mailman and threatened to cut his throat for bringing him junk mail. A 58-year-old Amarillo man with no criminal history tried to abduct three people and killed an Oklahoma grandmother in the process. A 60-year-old grandmother in Seattle killed three family members and herself. And 14 parents drowned their children, a crime no one had heard of before. Lily's publicity machine tried to claim that Scientologists perpetrated the entire story. They are well known to hate psychiatry, and their reputation is cultish, litigious, and generally unpopular. The internal documents obtained at Discovery when Lilly was sued revealed that their policy was to settle and seal Prozac cases. By 2000, they had spent almost $50 million on these settlements. Other internal records showed that the corporation employees believed this was a, quote, relatively insignificant cost. If a lawsuit forced them to alter the labeling or withdraw the drug, losses might have been in the billions of dollars. Completed suicides are ordinarily four to one men to women, but SSRI-related suicides are about the same rate for each sex. 
A New Zealand study of 1829 people taking SSRIs found suicidal thinking in 39%. Healy did a simple one-month project where he gave Prozac to 20 healthy volunteers who had no depression. Two of the 20 had severe suicidal thoughts that slowly went away after stopping the drug. When mild depressives are treated, the primary drug effect could be akesthesia, the unbearable agitation. This is the symptom Stuart Dolan experienced. Suicides for people between 15 and 64 years old increased by a third during the era when SSRI prescribing took off. The data is from the CDC's National Center for Health Statistics between 1999 and 2017. In his book, Let Them Eat Prozac, published in 2004, David Healy says that we are trusting the pharmaceutical companies just like patients trusted Harold Shipman, a physician who murdered over 200 people using heroin. Healy says that relationships of trust like this make serial killings easy, comparing the drug companies to killers. The last section, Prozac and Relatives' Conclusion. The Japanese judge antidepressants as harshly as they judge the stimulants, if that is possible. Their public health system is at least as good as ours. Taking these drugs into Japan is illegal. You can go to jail if their customs agents find Prozac in your luggage. To avoid this, you must petition them to bring your supply in with you. Japanese studies of the SSRIs versus the older antidepressants found negligible difference, just like the Western studies. They have allowed only a few drugs of this type into their country. German regulators did not believe Prozac was worthwhile at first. Their FDA-type agency looked at the evidence during its initial approval process. They said, quote, Considering the benefit and the risk, we think this drug is totally unsuitable for the treatment of depression. They noted the patient's self-ratings in the studies showed the drug did not work. This was contrary to those of the doctors whose evaluations claimed it did. Germany later capitulated to the drug companies and allowed Prozac into their country. However, they required a stern warning on the product labeling about the issues in the first weeks of therapy and the potential need for accompanying sedatives. Summary. SSRIs may help for severe depression, but only for a brief time. If your depression puts you in bed full-time for months and you can barely resist killing yourself, you may want to risk the drugs. If you do, you must accept the risk that the medications themselves will enable you to get up and commit suicide or harm others. For moderate depression, the drugs work poorly or not at all. For mild depression, which is their current primary use, these medications are ineffective. Casual prescription of SSRIs is unconscionable allowing the pharmaceutical publicity machine to promote them for brief adjustment disorders, mild sleep problems, and even grief reactions is a travesty. I wish I could say that awareness of the situation has percolated through the psychiatrists and primary care physicians. Unfortunately, industry propaganda has overwhelmed all the other narratives. In some years, SSRIs have been the most prescribed drugs, even ahead of blood pressure medications. Between 1996 and 2005, U.S. antidepressant usage rose from 5.8% to 10% of the population, and by 2017, it was 12.7%.